You're listening to episode 48 of the Journey to Launch podcast, the secret to fast tracking your journey to financial independence with Grant Sabatier. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome back. If you're joining me again for another episode of the Journey to Launch podcast, and if you're a new listener, hello. Thanks for stopping by. Grab a chair, grab a seat, get comfortable. Today, we are talking to Grant Sabatier from Millennial Money. He is truly someone I enjoy talking to because he has reached financial independence and he's showing other people how to do it. And I love that Grant, as you'll hear, focuses a lot on increasing income, which you know I like talking about, and just his story of hustling and reaching financial independence by the age of 30 is amazing. So you'll definitely, definitely want to stay tuned and listen to this entire episode. A little bit more about Grant. Grant, after college, was unemployed and living at home with his parents, and he only had $2.26 left in his bank account. Five years later, he had a net worth over $1 million. So you got to believe that Grant knows what he's talking about. And his mission, which I believe is really aligned with my mission, is to bring financial independence to the masses, to make it more accessible, to show people that it can be done. So love, love, love that. Before we hop into this episode with Grant, wanted to let you know, if you are enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. If you listen to this in Apple Podcasts, you can do that. It takes a couple minutes to do, and I really appreciate any reviews. And definitely if you subscribe. If you don't listen to this in Apple Podcasts, totally fine. You can find this really anywhere on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, basically anywhere you listen to podcasts and continue to share this with your family and friends. Before we hop into this amazing content, remember you can find the episode show notes at journeysalon.com slash episode 48. Also, if you want to follow me on social media, that's Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And I recently started a private, well, it's not private. It's more of my public, personal Instagram account as Jamila Souffrant. So if you want to hop over there and check me out what's going on in my just overall personal life, then go to Instagram and search Jamila Souffrant, my full name, and I will pop up. Also, journeyers, I wanted to let you know about a podcast that I love. I personally listen to every week and thought you might be interested in learning more about it too. It's called Dreams in Drive. So Dreams in Drive is a weekly podcast hosted by your chief dream driver, Raina Campbell. Each week, Raina interviews creatives and lifestyle entrepreneurs who share their personal stories, a triumph, keys to success, and tips you can use on your own path to be motivated and inspired, which will push you towards your goals. Raina interviews some amazing entrepreneurs and creatives all about what they've done to reach their dreams and how they built their businesses. So it's really, really great fuel, motivation, and inspiration for you on your path. So whether that is you're starting a business or you have a business or you just want to be inspired, I recommend checking out Dreams and Drive. 
She has over 150 episodes, so there's a lot of content to get through and to listen to, but some notable guests include Jennifer Lewis, Maddie James, Kim Coles, Jen Sincero, and many, many more. You can listen to the podcast anywhere you listen to the Journey to Launch podcast. So that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, and your favorite podcasting app. Go to dreamsanddrive.com for more information and follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dreams in Drive. So check it out. Now let's hop right into this conversation with Grant Sabatier. I'm so excited, Journeyers, to have very special guest on Grant Sabatier on the podcast from Millennial Money. Hi, Grant. How are you doing? Good, Jamila. How are you? Good. So I'm excited to talk to you. And I think a lot of my listeners will be inspired by your story because you went from being unemployed after college, living at home, only having $2.26 left in your bank account to becoming financially independent at 30 years old which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Even though I'm 32 now, so I reached financial independence a couple of years ago, even though I talk about it all the time and I just wrote a book about it, it's still very fresh in my memory. So yeah, I mean, the simple story is after college, I bounced around a bunch of jobs. I was a philosophy major and just couldn't find that right fit. And at 24, found myself living back home with my parents, basically starting from scratch. They gave me three months to live with them and figure out what I needed to do. And so really it was kind of a pressure cooker just to figure out what my next move was. And really through some trial and error, I ended up doing a Google search on my phone and saw a mobile Google ad and was really intrigued. I'd never seen a mobile ad before and started researching them and figured out that you could make 15 to 20% of ad spend managing those ads. Got really intrigued within 30 days. I was AdWords certified got a job at a digital marketing agency, and really the rest is history. So but what prompted you, I guess, to start doing that search? Was it just you knew you weren't making enough money, so your primary goal at that point was just to see how you can earn more? Was financial independence on your mind at that point? It was on my mind. So in August 2010, I read Vicki Robbins' Your Money, Your Life. I was reading a bunch of money books, and that was on a bunch of top five lists. I'd made okay money, prior to losing my job, but I hadn't saved anything. And actually, I had over $20,000 in credit card debt. I figured if I was going to get another job, I needed to take making money seriously and not make the same mistakes that I made right after college and really fell in love with just the idea that whenever you're working, you're trading your life energy for money. So that really clicked with me. And when that clicked with me, my takeaway was I need to try to make as much money as quickly as I can. I took stock of my skills and I was a decent writer. I was okay at math, but really I didn't have skills that I would call money-making skills or skills that I could get a high-paying job with. And I was doing actually a search for a book on my phone and this mobile ad popped up. And once I saw the mobile ad and figured out that you could make 15 to 20% of media spend and that there were jobs running Google ads. The big thing for me too was that I could learn it for free. So I didn't need to go back to school and get a degree in something. I could literally teach myself on YouTube and through at the time it was called AdWords University. And I knew that that was an in-demand skill once I started researching it. And I started looking at what you could make as basically a paid search analyst 
and figured out that in Chicago, you could make $50,000 as a starting salary. And so I was on to that. And so basically from figuring out what Google AdWords was to getting a job at a digital marketing agency, actually running AdWords campaigns was like less than 60 days. <laughs> wow, less than 60 days. And I mean, this was all then self-taught. You realize that, wow, this is a need in the market. I can fulfill that need. And you took the classes and jumped right in. Yeah, it wasn't even the classes. They were just like free YouTube and Google videos. I got really into it. The thing about managing Google AdWords campaigns, it's basically kind of an art and a science, which I really loved. It's an open market bidding system. So you're bidding against other brands or other companies to try to get your ad ahead of theirs. And I really fell in love with really the mechanics of it. And it was one of those things where I really liked the idea of it and it was free to learn. The free to learn was really important. And so I dove in and when I actually interviewed at the digital marketing agency, I'd never run a campaign in my life. I was certified. So I had the free Google certification, but I'd never actually ran a campaign and the hiring manager and then my eventual boss, they both said that I was so passionate about it that they couldn't not hire me. Mind you, I had sent out over 200 job applications prior to this and hadn't received a single response back. But after I learned Google AdWords and put that Google AdWords certification on my resume, I got a bunch of interviews and actually got an offer with the first company that I interviewed with. And I took that offer. Mm, wow. And so you're now working at this digital marketing firm and making some money. What are you doing now with that money to help propel you forward to financial independence? Oh, yeah. So my starting salary was $50,000. I realized pretty quickly that I could live on about $25,000. So I found the crappiest apartment. You know, I moved out of my parents' house, moved to Chicago. My girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, lived in Chicago. But I got my own apartment. It was like the cheapest, crappiest apartment that I could find. I had to buy a car, so I bought a car, really an expensive car, and I basically saved about 50% of my income almost immediately. But one of the things that I learned and realized pretty quickly was that this was going to be an incredible learning opportunity. So I'd already fallen in love with the idea of digital marketing, but I got a job at an agency. There's about 40 people that worked in this agency, and every day I spent as much time as I could learning from everyone in the agency. So I offered to take people in the SEO team out to lunch. I hung out with the sales guys because I wanted to learn about selling. The CEO and I went out to lunch a few times and I was just a sponge. I was so amazed that this 40-person company, that they were so profitable, that the CEO at the time, he was in his early 30s. And so I was 24. He was in his early 30s. He was really successful. And I was like, if he can do it, maybe I can do it. I soaked up so much knowledge so quickly. Within about 90 days, I signed my first side client. So I was looking on Craigslist for people who needed Google AdWords help or website building help. And I knew a little bit about WordPress because our agency built WordPress websites. I'd never built one before, but I found a law firm in Chicago, a small law firm that they were looking for a website and their budget was basically $500. And I was like, you know, I'm going to try to make this $500 and I'm going to learn how to build one of these websites. And so I was able to get the gig. I sold the guy on, hey, I'm young, I'm hungry, 
I work at a digital agency. I'm learning this stuff. And basically, I got the gig. I built the website in a couple of weeks. You know, I was tinkering around. And interestingly, because of that one opportunity, this lawyer introduced me to some of his friends who were lawyers. And through probably a couple month period, I got to meet a bunch of other lawyers. And one of them was a partner at a really big law firm. And I actually sold a $50,000 engagement three months after selling my $500 website engagement. And so once I sold that $50,000 gig, and honestly, it's funny because after I sold it, I was talking to one of the women who worked in the marketing department, and she had told me that everyone else who had bid for the website had basically bid over $125,000. And she told me they probably would have paid you up to a hundred. So I left money on the table, but I was so hooked. I was like, wait, what? This just really happened? I remember the first payment was $20,000. And I remember getting this check, just staring at it. I was like, this is crazy. And from that moment on, I was absolutely hooked. By the end of that year, I'd made over $300,000 from my full-time job and my side hustle. And the side hustle was becoming so lucrative that I completely ditched my full-time job. And I was like, I'm going to build my own agency and went off and partnered with a couple guys and launched an agency. And that was a huge, huge turning point for me. Right. So there are a couple of things actually I want to touch upon that you just mentioned. So now you're making all this money. And how old were you at that point? 25. So you're 25, young male. You're not married, but you're still dating. Most 25-year-olds, if they would have made $300,000 from only a few years ago or that same year not having any job, would not be thinking about saving or the future of financial independence or freedom. They're thinking about how to get a nice car or buy a nice home. What really allowed you to stay focused on this goal? Because if you made the 300000 in one year, you could say like, oh, I could just make it again. So what really kept you committed to this goal? Being completely broke, living back with my parents, and also looking at my parents. So my parents now, they're in their 60s. They're both still working. I'd grown up basically around my parents and my parents' friends. Pretty much they all were excited. They talked about retirement, but it was this like 40-year thing. And I was really, really committed once I got that first job. I didn't make the commitment to retire as early as possible. My goal was to make a million dollars as quickly as possible. So it wasn't like financial independence. I knew about it, but I didn't understand the mechanics of it. I didn't understand any of the math. All that I got was I want to make a million dollars as quickly as possible. And when I mean make, I want to save. And so that became just my focus. I understood the potential of compounding interest. I also, I mean, this is 2010, 2011. So the market was down. At that time, I read The Boglehead's Guide to Investing, which is basically all about index funds. So I started investing in Vanguard funds at that time. I started investing in Amazon also. And I was just excited. I, I knew that if I could invest money, I could essentially make money in my sleep because investing income is essentially passive income. So I was hooked. I worked to invest. That first year, I ended up saving about 82% of my income. All my friends were going out. They were buying BMWs, like the ones that had good jobs and renting expensive apartments. And I was driving a $700 Nissan Maxima. I loved seeing my bank account balance and my net worth grow. It was like a game to me. It's really funny because 
even during that period, I mean, I wasn't just building websites. I was repairing and flipping vintage mopeds in Chicago. And that was a pretty lucrative side hustle. I flipped a couple of Volkswagen campers. I was investing in domains. I watched my neighbor's cat. I wrote a couple freelance white papers. I was doing anything that I could to make money just so I could invest it. Literally every day I'd log into Vanguard and I was just like investing as much as I could. And I'm imagining by now you got rid of that credit card debt you mentioned and any other debt. Yeah, I got rid of the credit card debt pretty quickly. Shortly after I sold that big law firm website, I got rid of that and just banked as much as I could. I ended up buying a property in late 2011 that ended up being a good investment as well. It was very much a game to me. And to, to be honest, I was pretty obsessed with it. It's one of those things my friends are like, what are you doing? You know, What's going on? I was just so frugal. And I mean, I'm still really frugal. They probably couldn't understand it at the time, right? They're probably thinking, why are we spending more than you? Why can't you live a little? The thing is, I wasn't that open about how much money I was making. I mean, they knew I was doing well. Like once I quit my full-time job at the digital agency, my friends were kind of like, what's going on? And if you would have asked them, what does Grant do to make money? They would have told you that I built websites, which was part of what I was doing. I wasn't sharing my net worth. I wasn't like, hey guys, I crushed it and I made $300,000 this year. I was pretty quiet about it, but they knew the fact that I left my full-time job. I remember my mom being like, oh, you must be doing pretty well if you left your full-time job. Okay. So now you obviously are very motivated. You are in addition to your very profitable business, your entrepreneurship business. You're still doing a whole bunch of side hustles to help propel you forward. So what are the next steps? I know you got financial independence at 30, but what does that actually mean? Did you hit your $1 million savings or investing goal at that point? Or did your goal point move forward as you started making more money? My goal did move forward. Once I discovered or dove into the idea of financial independence, and I started doing the calculations and figured out the 25x expected annual expenses for how much money you would need forever. I was able to adjust basically my goal from $1 million to 1.25. And basically, I figured that I could probably live off $50,000 for the rest of my life. 25 times $50,000 is $1.25 million. And so I pushed my goal up slightly. And it took me five years and three months from the day that I started to actually hit that goal. And at that point, I was 30 and I basically realized, I think I have enough money to last me for the rest of my life. Wow. It's interesting because I didn't stop working at that time, even though I could. I was like, okay, I want to save some more. I was really, you know, I was growing a digital marketing agency. I had a very successful business. I didn't want to just stop and walk away. But I can tell you one thing. Once I realized I had enough money and then I had made it, I was able to take a really big, deep breath. And a few things happened. During that sort of five-year and three-month period, for better or for worse, I was pretty addicted to making money. I talk about it all rosy, but I lost some friendships during the period. I gained like almost 50 pounds because I was working all the time. I wasn't taking great care of myself. I made a lot of sacrifices that in hindsight... I probably shouldn't or wouldn't make again. So it wasn't all roses. But one of the interesting things is once I reached financial independence, it was like 90% of my brain opened up. Mm. And it was so weird. It was like all this energy that I was 
thinking about making money. It was like it all opened up and so many things happened. I was a lot calmer. I started to lose the weight. I started to almost like have a richer life. You know, it's tough to explain this, but food tasted better. And I was like a lot more present once I realized that I was taken care of. It's weird because it's both an unconscious and a conscious thing. But in and of itself, it was a massively transformational step for me. I mean, that's when I started Millennial Money. I started in 2015. And I was like, whoa, I was actually able to do this. I need to share with other people the mistakes I made and how you can do it. And I was like, wow, this is some secret that everyone needs to know about. I'm wondering too, because you said you definitely probably had an obsession with it. You said you lost friends a little bit on the journey and it wasn't until you reached it that you felt like comfortable and you could breathe. So my whole thing about journey to launch and having people on the journey is that a lot of people are in the beginning, maybe middle stages of the journey. And so for them, that angst and that anxiety and that not feeling comfortable, part of it is good, I feel, because it pushes you forward. It causes you to act. Being uncomfortable makes you want more. But then that same uncomfortability also acts as a double-edged sword because then you get very restless or you get discontent with your current situation, which could make the journey miserable. Knowing what you know now, is there anything differently that you would have done or would you have reacted or just been different about things so that you could have maybe relaxed and enjoyed the journey a bit more and not lost some of those friends or whatever it was? Yeah, I think I would have had more confidence in myself. During this period, I was kind of addicted to the game a little bit. And a lot of that was out of fear. I think that it's so easy in life, whether you're pursuing financial independence or you're working, it's so easy to chase money or success or to look for validation outside of yourself. And that was very much what I was doing. I was like chasing a number. Whenever you're chasing something, you don't actually have to stop and ask yourself things like, what makes me happy? What do I want to be doing? What am I passionate about? We live in a culture where it's so easy to chase success or to chase something than to actually stop and be like, is this really what I even want? And I think there are a lot of ways that if I would have woken up and asked myself, hey, are you doing what makes you happy? The answer probably would have been no. And I probably would have recalibrated a little bit and not made as many sacrifices. So it's one of those things more realistically, if I had tried to do it maybe in like 10 years, I probably would have had a more balanced life than trying to quote unquote do it as quickly as possible. So I really encourage people, and this is one of the things I write about in my book, the simple idea is that if you actually sit down and ask yourself, what does the perfect day look like? Because the future doesn't exist yet. All we have is today. And if you just want to have the best day today and you ask yourself, what would I be doing today? Maybe it's walking your dog. Maybe it's spending time with your kids. Maybe it's having a barbecue. Maybe it's going to a sporting game. Maybe it's playing pickup basketball. Maybe it's traveling. When you actually ask yourself, what does the perfect day look like? And then how much money does it take to live that day? It's a lot less than you think. And I think that we naturally, we're just in a world where we project our dreams, we project our fantasies, our sort of ideal life into the future. And the future doesn't exist. I mean, the future is just in our mind. And so I would have counseled myself to focus a little bit more on the present and be present and realize that I could make money 
and still reach financial independence quickly, but have a more balanced life. Mm-hmm. And I actually, your whole comment about designing your perfect day reminds me of an interview Tim Ferriss did with Debbie Millman. She talks about that. He said it's like one of his most popular episodes, actually, where she talks about taking the time to design a perfect day and not just like a general answer, like really in detail, like what color sheets you're waking up in and the temperature and really as much detail as you can design your perfect day from start to finish and how helpful that is in setting the tone. And like you said, you then tend to think about just the simple things that make you happy. It's not necessarily all these big grand ideas or what you believe society tells you that's going to make you happy. So I'll actually link that for you listeners in the show notes because I thought that episode by Tim and then that exercise that she did was pretty, pretty good. All right. So for someone listening on their journey now, what are some tips that you can give them to help propel them forward? So what can they start doing right now? Maybe they're not in a position where they're making as much money. They're maybe starting out with $50,000, starting out with some debt. How can they reach financial independence from where they are right now? Try to make as much money as you can. One of the things is so much of personal finance is built around a scarcity mindset. So it's like everyone writes about cutting back spending and budgeting and making the most of what you have. If you're making $50,000, it's very hard to save 25% of your income. And so if you're making $50,000, realistically, it's going to take you, if you're starting from scratch, 15 to 25 years to reach financial independence. But if you can find a way to build a new skill or build multiple new skills and try to get a job that pays $70,000, just that going from like fifty dollars to $70,000, you can cut six years off the amount of time that you need to work. And so at the end of the day, it's important to be frugal. It's important to cut back. But I really believe that that's just the starting point. There's too much emphasis placed on it. Instead of focusing your time trying to find thing in the grocery store, or the best deal on a TV, spend your time trying to build new skills and diversify your income streams. Because at the end of the day, the more money you're able to make, the more money you're able to invest, and the faster you're going to reach financial independence. And I feel like that's severely lacking kind of in the personal finance world. It's all focused on make the most of what you have. And it's built around a premise that people can't make more money. It might be really hard for you to make more money, but the scrappier you are, I mean, even an extra $60 watching your neighbor's dog invested is going to grow. I mean, that makes a difference. If you're in a job where you look out into your future and you're like, the most amount of money that I'm going to be able to make is $100,000 in 20 years, you need to think seriously about whether it makes more sense to pivot and try to get into a more lucrative field or a more lucrative job, or try to work for yourself instead of someone else. My barber is this guy, I've been going to him for two years now, and this guy is like crushing it. He's such a cool guy. And you know, he was making like $22 an hour at this barber shop. And I was like, man, you are so good. Instead of working for someone else, work for yourself. Take a couple of your friends And you don't have to set up your own shop. Just rent a space of an existing shop and get a percentage of all the people, all the barbers that you bring in. You know, start thinking 
about how to make money beyond yourself. And now my barber has his own barber shop. He has like 10 chairs that he rents out. He's making over $200,000 a year. And this is a guy who two years ago was making 20 bucks an hour after tips. And it's just like switching your mindset from instead of working for someone else, how can I do what I love and do it for myself and become a connector of supply and demand instead of just someone fulfilling demand? Yeah. And you're so right about the income side of things and just getting out of the scarcity mindset. I would hope that if you're listening to this, you do feel like you have the opportunity and the ability to make more and to do more and to reach your goals. But there might be some people who really feel like, you know what, that's great, Grant, like it worked for you. Google AdSense at that time worked, but I could probably never do that right now. I'm already working a full-time job. I don't have time, I'm too tired to do the extra stuff on the weekend. But then you have other people who say, you know what, I'm scrappy enough. I'm going to make it. I'm going to find a way to earn extra. I'm not going to be the status quo of what I see around me. And it just reminds me that it's really up to the person, like you said, that mindset shift, that internal drive, like similar to what you had, but just like, I'm not going to stop until I figure something out and I'm going to be successful and I'm going to make more money. And so identifying whatever skill it is that you have or a lack in the market, something that you could provide a service is just really key to accelerating your path to reaching your financial goals. Yeah, wanting it is the first step, but then you got to do something. I mean, the average American watches 5.4 hours of TV a day. Instead of watching TV, use that time to try to make more money. There's this one woman, she's like in her early 50s, and she was basically a stay-at-home mom, and her husband's working two jobs, and she had some kids, and she just happened to stumble on my podcast and start listening. You know, it's so amazing. Who finds your stuff online? But she started listening to my podcast and she's like, you know, I'm tired of just getting by. I want to launch a business. So she basically was able to launch a daycare business in her local neighborhood. My podcast was one of the inspirations. She launched this daycare business because she had kids and she had a teenage daughter who was then able to also help out. And this woman's making like an extra $100,000 a year now with her daycare business. She's making more than her husband. Her husband has been able to basically work less. They have more time. Here was a woman who like just happened to stumble on a money podcast in her early 50s. And she's like, you know, I could be making more money too. And I think if you think you can't do it, you know, you've already defeated yourself. But it's like, stop watching TV, stop watching Netflix, put that time into something else. I'm kind of an extreme example. And that's one of the things I always tell people. I'm like, yo, you don't have to do this in five years. I'm like a really, really intense person. And now this is all I think about, right? I write about money. But if you really want it, I was actually talking to someone today about this, one of my coaching clients. And I was like, dude, you're thinking way too big about this. He was like, this is what I want in the next year. And I was like, man, just take a couple steps today. A lot of people are so afraid that they feel like they have to jump all in or nothing. And that's not the way that money making works. Oftentimes, side hustles require very little money to start. Start mowing your neighbor's lawn. Start walking their dogs. If you're handy around the house, start offering those services to someone else. I have a friend. He's like a pastor, and he doesn't make a lot of money. When he's not leading sermons and Bible studies and you know, a couple days a week, he basically paints houses, and he's able to save that money and use that money for his family. And he takes it one day at a time. It's like you don't have to commit to something forever. 
try to make an extra, you know, $50 today. And if you like doing it, then try to do it tomorrow. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, I'm worried. I got to pick that perfect thing. Life's not perfect. Life's going to change. Just get out there and it's going to be messy. If you don't make money doing it, then pivot and do something else. That's the best thing about today. It's like never been easier in history to make more money online or offline. And the thing is, if you get out there and you start testing things, you're going to find some way to make money that you enjoy. A lot of people don't realize they associate making money with just pain because they don't like their job or they work long hours. But there are ways to make money that you enjoy. Like I have a friend, she makes these dream catchers and she just did it for fun, like for her friends. And she started selling them on Etsy. And now she has so much demand for her dream catchers. She can sell them for like $100 a piece. And she's able to use that to pay her apartment mortgage every month. And then she's able to bank her savings. And that's something that she just had to spend a little bit more time making them. And the thing is, people just don't realize that you don't have to go all in and that you can just start trying things. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost just like building that side hustle muscle. You are trying different things. You don't have to build the next Google or Facebook. It could be simple, like you said, as, okay, what am I good at or what? Do I see people in my neighborhood need and where I have some extra time, maybe I can babysit. It's the small things and then taking that money and then putting it towards a goal. I think it's important too, like saying to yourself, okay, but this money is going to do something. It's not just going to sit around or go to an expense that doesn't matter. What am I going to do with this money to get me closer to whatever goal that is? Paying off debt, investing more. And then the more you do that, like you said, you'll be surprised at like what you stumble into. It's almost like opening a Pandora's box. Like you keep opening it up and if you get to the root of what you're supposed to do and because another thing people say is like, I don't know what to do. So I'm talking like to people who kind of are stuck in a place of, I don't know my talents or I don't know where to start. And it's just like, think right now, are there things in your closet that you can sell? Is there something that people come to you all the time as friends and family for you to do that you can monetize? Yeah. First, make a list of things that you love. And then make a list of things that you think people would pay you for and then see if there's any overlap between those two lists. And if there's not, then write down a few skills that you're interested in learning and focus on building the skill right now instead of trying to go make money. Every one of my friends that wants to be a Lyft or an Uber driver, I'm like, yo, do not waste your time being a Lyft or Uber driver. It's fine to make some extra money, but Basically, a majority of the money that you're making is going to Lyft and Uber. You're always going to work for them. Spend that time instead learning how to code, learning how to sell, learning how to design, learning some skill that you can monetize in the future. Because I really believe that skills are future currency. We're talking about making money today, but in the future, things are only going to get crazier. And the people who have the most skills and the most in-demand skills are going to be the ones that make the most money. It's just as simple as that. So if you can't think of what to do, go learn one of the skills that's really in demand. Right. And you don't have to get super into coding, but just go out and learn something because it's that learning something that's going to be that first step to ultimately helping you make more money. And the other thing is find a mentor who does make money. This is one of those things too. The fastest way to accelerate your learning is just to work with someone who already knows it. Generationally, a lot of younger people, like they're afraid to ask for help from older people or experienced people. But one of the things that people who've made it love to do is teach others how to do it. 
<laughs> and talk about themselves. Yeah, or whatever. <laughs> I love these kids in high school or college that email me and they're like, yo, help me. What can you teach me? And I'm like, yes, you know, it's that hunger. So find someone in your local town who's successful and just be like, hey, can I take you out to lunch and talk to them about it? Just a simple lunch with someone who's successful and you're like, hey, I don't know what to do, but that person's going to have the experience to guide you. Find a mentor. It could be anyone. Mm -hmm. Anyone that owns their own business is going to be able to think creatively and help you out. You don't have to do it alone and you don't have to do it all at once. Those are the two biggest myths that I think a lot of people at home have. Don't ask your boss because your boss is going to be worried you're going to leave your job. Mm -hmm. Ask a family friend or a relative or even someone in your community that owns a local business that's successful. Just be like, hey, I'm really hungry. Can I take you out to lunch and pick your brain? And then maybe they'll be so excited about you doing that. They'll offer you an internship. Maybe they'll mentor you. I was lucky. Two guys that I partnered up with to build my agency, both of them had been successful and man, you know, you can learn a ton from an experienced mentor. It would take you years and years and years to learn yourself. And there's a big difference between reading a Tim Ferriss book like Tribe of Mentors and reading a bunch of quotes from famous and successful people. There's a huge difference between doing that and actually going out and finding someone in your community to help you or to guide you because it's often kind of the mistakes that they're going to share that you're going to learn the most from. And then the connections as well. If someone sees that you're hungry and you're engaged, there's a lot of people that will support you. That successful person will probably know someone, an accountant who can help you or a marketing person who can help you. And the better your connections, the easier it's going to be for you to make money. Mm -hmm. And that goes for whether you're trying to make connections, like if you're a blogger or you're starting any digital business, the same thing. I mean, yes, yeah. starting in your community, but it's really, I found out since starting Journey to Launch, most of the opportunities that I get and what's been really helping me gain visibility and grow are who I know and making those connections and connecting on that level with people who are on the same level as me and have a little bit more pull or just more experience. So yeah, it's totally, totally right. Even us. Now you reached out to have me on the podcast and now we're connected. Now I'm going to be thinking about you when there's an opportunity. The thing is we're social creatures as humans and we're not meant to go at it alone. And this is kind of the last thing. Naturally, we as humans, we unconsciously are looking for patterns. And so to your point, you talked about kind of the side hustle muscle. I love that. I love that phrase. Mm -hmm. But it's the simple idea of money making. The more you kind of think about it and focus on it and try and fail and make mistakes, the better you get at it. That's what's amazing about our minds. Even unconsciously, our minds are looking for patterns. And it really does get easier. My wife always tells me, she's like, hey, Grant, really the only thing you're good at is making money. And I'm like, oh, man, thankfully I write about it. But like, <laughs> I see everything through that lens. Like, We just had a neon sign made for our apartment. And it's, this is a simple example, a neon sign that I was at an art gallery and there was this sign and it was like $12,000. And I was like, that's a neon. What? That's insane. That, that's what? That's crazy. Who would pay $12,000 for a neon sign? So I found a guy in Chicago who makes these neon signs, like an old school guy, a uh, really cool character. And basically he was able to make pretty much the same sign for $400. 
And so I was like, yes, we got this amazing sign. But immediately my thinking goes right to, hey, we could probably sell these for $7,000. Let's buy 10 of them from this guy for 400 and let's try to sell them for at least 5,000. You know, we're talking like $46,000 in profit we'll make in a couple months just connecting supply and demand for people who have money who are willing to pay a lot for one of these signs. And I'm going through all this like when my wife and I are driving home with the sign and she's like, "What? The things that you think about." That's the way my mind works because I was like, who doesn't want to make a quick $46,000 connecting supply and demand and brokering neon signs? There's a business right there. A guy who makes it who can't market them well and this whole market out there that needs them. Simple website, that's it. I can't even think of a more profitable thing to do right now than that. Well, what I'm hearing also from your story, what I'm picking up and what I find very inspiring is that your resourcefulness and your emphasis on skills, because I'm thinking about most people who have reached your point that are successful, that are millionaires or financially independent or whatever it is you want to call them, that if they did lose it all today, they would be able to make it back. Like because of that skill, that inherent skills that they've learned, that resourcefulness that they have in them is that they'll be able to make their money back. I mean, that's what I'm hearing from you, that if you lost everything today, you would be able to put yourself back in the position you are. No one can take that from you. So I really, really want listeners to think about how they themselves can, like you said, develop more skill set, become more resourceful, because that is your biggest asset. And anything else is just like a byproduct. So no matter what business or what you decide to embark on in life, you would be able to be successful, even if it fails. Because you then are that scrappy enough, that resourceful to start again and do something again. Yeah, you just got to keep at it. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Most of the most successful people, they just keep at it. My ideas weren't better than anyone else's or I didn't invent Google AdWords or Facebook or and I'm not worth like tens of millions of dollars. I'm just a pretty regular guy who just really got intrigued with how to make money. And the thing is, Money is just a human invention. We invented it. And the thing is, in any transaction in the world right now, someone's making money, money's being exchanged. And when you start looking at the world like, hey, if people want this, maybe I can give it to them. Maybe I can be on the winning end of that transaction. But a lot of people, you know, they say they want something, but they're just not willing to put in the time to figure it out. And even though I'm financially independent and have enough money now, I still love the challenge of making money and teaching others. I mean, that's the coolest thing is just like money making is really an art at its core. And I've now dedicated my life to teaching other people how to make money because there's so little good information on it. And I consider it, you know, a privilege and just an honor to be able to do that. But it's an intellectual pursuit of mine. I mean, that's one of the biggest reasons that I blog is not only to share money-making ideas and to spread this information, but to test things as well. I was talking to someone today, and this past weekend, I had a really bad cold. So I did no work. I was in bed the entire weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And I checked my affiliate commissions from my blog and made $2,781 Saturday and Sunday from affiliate commissions completely passively. And I was just like, what? Like, I was like freaking out because it's just like that money just appeared out of air. 
when in history would that even be possible? Right. You know what I mean? And that gets me excited. And then I'm like, I want to teach other people how to do this because at the end of the day is like a lot of people just, they got to be willing to put in the work. And it's like when you're blogging, the first year I blogged, I made like $5,000. I put in tons of effort, but I kept at it. I was like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out. And if you keep at it, then year two, you're going to do better. And that's like anything in life. You just got to kind of take it a day at a time and keep plugging away at it because something's going to happen. You're going to get there. Yeah, you are preaching to the choir here. I totally feel you. I get it. And I'm sure, I'm sure my journeyers will get it too. So I know that they're going to want to know where they can find you. You have a podcast, you're writing a book, you have an amazing blog. Just tell everyone where they can find out more about you and how to learn how to make more money. Yeah, millennialmoney.com. That's M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L, money.com. You can just search for Millennial Money on Google, and I'm the first result. Proud of that. It's at Millennial Money on Twitter. And then the book is called All the Money You'll Ever Need, A Proven Plan to Fast Track Financial Freedom. It's going to be out in January, so quite a while from now, but it'll be on pre-sale starting this fall. If you just go to millennialmoney.com slash book, you can sign up there for my book list. I'm going to be giving away at least 500, probably even 1,000 free copies just to that list. So you definitely want to sign up there to get early access to a bunch of exclusives. So this has been so much fun. I really appreciate you having me on the podcast here. Yeah, thanks so much for coming on and sharing all your knowledge, your story. And I know the listeners will love it. I really, really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Grant. So many nuggets, so many gems that you can take away from that. And I just love how real Grant is, the way he talks about his climb to reaching financial independence, that journey. And I really do believe it's attainable for everyone, especially if you increase your skill set. So if you notice, Grant increased his skill set. He started a business, right? Which is why I always talk about increasing income being the really fast track way to get to your goals. So there's so much you can cut with expenses, but if you can increase your income, increase your skill set, then the possibilities are endless. So just think about what you can do in your own life and what you can start or do to increase the potential for you earning more money. Another thing I want you to take away from this is if you notice Grant and last week's guest, Sylvia Hall, both mentioned Your Money or Your Life as a book that they really, really enjoyed and that helped them on their journey to reach financial independence. And I actually interviewed Vicki Robin a couple episodes ago. So check that out if you have not yet done so. That was episode 39 with Vicki Robin. Vicki Robin wrote the book with Joe Dominguez, Your Money or Your Life. Also, remember, you can check out the episode show notes for this episode at Journey to Launch dot com slash episode 48. You know, one thing I have not mentioned yet on the podcast, because it's just been a crazy, crazy month with the birth of the newest addition to our family, Blake, but it has been that I've gotten some great, great media coverage on some larger networks recently. And so one was with Money Magazine, which I do believe I mentioned in a previous episode. And the most recent one was with Business Insider. So both publications featured my story, my husband and I, our saving story on their websites, which was amazing. So I really can't believe that my message is being shared on these platforms with such large reader bases. 
which again is accomplishing my goal of getting the message out there. And I get so many responses. I mean, maybe you're listening to this podcast because you saw me featured in one of those articles, right? And you wouldn't have known about me before reading that. So it's showing me that the message is getting out there and I get so many responses and replies. Like it's refreshing to see someone who looks like me who is married with kids, even living in a high cost of area place like New York doing this, it's achievable. And again, it might not be at the same level or an intensity as what you can do. It's all depending on really your situation, but it's possible. So I just want to just interject that. And so thank you for all my new listeners or new journeyers who have joined me since reading those articles. Hello, I welcome you with open arms to this journey. Remember to follow me on social media at Journey to Launch to connect some more. Also, also remember you can join the private Facebook community by going to journeytolaunch.com slash community or just type in Journey to Launch in Facebook and you'll find the Facebook page, which you should like, and then you'll find the Facebook group. All right, so until next time, journeyers, keep on journeying. (laughs) 